it's time to be a man. I'm going to pick up my cross. What will you do with yours? Lord, thank you for today and these blessings that you've given us. Thank you for fellowship of friends and for the power that you've given to men that we can stand up and that we can lead our families and that we can show your love. We pray that you allow us to dig deep into your word and you show us things that before we couldn't understand, but with your help and with the help of the Holy Spirit, we can come to understand. I pray for everyone here and that you watch over us and you guide us. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, cool. So let's dig in. Where are we at? We are at 1 Corinthians 16 verse 13 and 14, and I'm going to read it from the King James Version, then we'll jump around to probably a New American Standard and Amplified so that we can actually break it down and we're not trying to understand this old English. What it says, and this is King James, 1 Corinthians chapter 16, 13 and 14, Watch ye stand fast in the faith, quit you like men, be strong. Let all your things be done with charity. And now, while you hear that, it sounds super confusing. Because quit you, be like men. Well, yeah. That's, I still don't know what that Double means. negatives and double positives, which is what that actually sounds like, are actually extremely powerful in Greek language from what I understand. Well, coming to an American in this century, it, it comes off as confusing. But you can understand what they're trying to say, especially whenever you go to like the New American Standard Bible. So what we're trying to get on is be on the alert, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong, and let all you do be done in love, which is very powerful. All right, so what we're trying to break in today, this being the first podcast, first off, I'd like to welcome Colin, my first guest, the guy who's showing me how to set all this up. So I'm glad you're here, Colin. Oh, thank you. I'm glad to be here. Thanks so, for inviting me. Of course. Um, what we're trying to get in with this podcast is how men should act and how men should be taking back over their homes and the church, and not in the way where we're overpowering, but in the way where we're serving like Christ served. And that's what will get our families to come around. That's what the whole goal of this podcast is going to be. So this one I chose first because it's beautiful. It comes off with the first thing we need to do, and that is love. And all things we do, we need to do them in love because we know that's how Christ did it. Christ is, uh, like you said earlier, Connor, before we were uh, recording, Christ is the epitome of love. He, he gave everything. He gave all the sacrifice. He, he did it whenever people were whipping him, pushing thorns in his head, hammering through him. He said, Jesus, for, or he said, God, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Yeah, he's the embodiment of, of pretty much everything, all the, not just the culmination of the Old Testament, but the culmination of you know, the love of, of God that you really see. And that's, that's one thing that, as a man, we should try to be. So the way I like to look at it is, now that I'm married and I, I'm in that sort of relationship, is that I need to be acting like Jesus, acting like Christ, and treating my family and my wife like the church, treating others like the church. And we didn't see Jesus come in and say, oh, you're wrong, oh, nope, nope, don't do it that way, oh. He didn't, he didn't just come in with that kind of like, trust me, I'm God, I know better than you type of deal. He came in and showed them, and yeah. he showed them through Example. Acts yeah. and examples that this is love. I am love. I love you. Even though you're mad and you're yelling at me that I didn't do the dishes, I'm going to do them and do something else because I love you and I want to show you what my love means to you. You know, that reminds me. So I was watching Fireproof yesterday, which is not really a movie I really watched in a very, very long time. Good movie. And it was, yeah, exactly. And it was going right into that. It was, you know, we don't serve our wives because they deserve it. That's regardless to say they, that they. They don't, but we don't serve our wives because they deserve it, but because we're trying to emanate the love that we have through Christ. And that's very important. As we're starting off, we're going to be starting off with how we can take control of our families because we can't make a change as men until we have control of our home. You can't do anything until you have your home in order. Yes, and, and, and then we're not saying that in a domination sort of way, are you? I, I, I imagine not. No, it's, so it's not. Let's kind of go into that. It's, it's kind of like a, so what we want to do is you can't just leave your family alone at home, not being able to figure it out or with someone else in charge, and then go and take charge someplace else. If you can't handle yourself, it's like uh, what the Bible says about deacons when they're talking about deacons, someone who has his home in order. Yeah. Since people see his home and they see his family, that becomes part of his testimony. That becomes part of his ability to transfer 
his love to people. If you know a guy's going to take care of his family and you know that everything's good back home and you knew that you know that he loves them with everything, it's a lot easier to trust that guy than the guy who's leaving and away from his family and trying just to help you because you already know what he could, he's capable of. And whenever you bring someone who's lost into a loving home that you've shown your family that love and now your family knows how to show that guy that love, now he's getting it from your whole family and from your old household. And that's what's really important is that we take back our household and that we live in a life and we lead in love that really points straight to the way Jesus did for us. And it's never going to be perfect. I mean, people get cut off in traffic. You get mad. You, you yell. You get, But what you need to do is focus on that love. And as soon as you can love your family, you can love that stranger. Because it's going to be really hard to go off and love some stranger that just flew by you, cut you off, and then flipped you the bird in traffic, it's hard to love that guy whenever you can't love your wife that is at home and she's cooking for you or that is taking care of your kids while you're going to school or you're going to work or whatever. It's If, if you can't love the people loving you, how are you going to love a stranger? You know, that that's going to be really hard to do. Yeah, and and kind of putting your house in order in a sense. I always go, I, I was actually looking at it. Um, it was um, kind of what does it mean to be a deacon in the church as well as kind of the qualifications of that and and, and that's not to say that everybody's qualified to be a deacon or that that's necessarily required, but um, just kind of kind of the goal of, I, I would think, the Christian husband is to, as best you can, you know, put your house in a place where it can most effectively serve God. And, and I was looking at it, and so it's in 1 Timothy 3, and, and this is just talking about the requirements for deacons, and it says deacons like wise must be dignified and not double-tongued and so god just starts out and says you can't this is what you can do this is what you can't and um because you're representing him and representing the church not addicted to a lot of wine not greedy or for dishonest gain they must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience and let them be tested first and let them then let them serve as deacons if they prove to be themselves blameless and blameless does not mean sinless it means that they're truly seeking after um, like the faith, they're really seeking after God, and and they admit when they're wrong. You know that they they're, they step up to the plate. Right? Yeah, they're they're being there. They're taking all of this biblical and spiritual and relationship yeah. with Jesus, and they're taking it to the max. They yeah. they want. They're, they're taking account. The relationship. They're being accountable. Yes, they know when yeah. they mess up, and they come to God and they ask for that forgiveness. And not only do they ask for that forgiveness, but they work their hardest to change that mistake. Yeah, they don't just keep on going back to it. Mm-hmm. And so. And, and on that note, you know, he then continues, right? Their wives must be dignified, not slanders, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. Let deacons each be the husband of one wife, managing their children and their own households well. For those who serve as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the faith that is in Christ. And and it's it's really just a position of you're kind of the mouthpiece of the church at that point, and that's why God kind of sets a, a standard for those who are, I mean, we're all representatives of Christ, and this is not to say, you know, um, there's a lot of things that, that you really can go into a lot of depth with this passage, um, and, and that's not the, the, the point. The point is to say, you know, God has um, kind of this desire that we should shoot for. Yes. And, and especially as a man, and kind of the... The qualities and the qualifications of a deacon are kind of in that um, moment as we're approaching the presence of God, what we can tangibly um, aim towards, right? As we, you know, not double-minded, you know, be dignified, seek God, don't allow addictions to overtake your life, um, and, and don't pursue dishonest things, you know, really, you know, it's just like the characteristics of God. Be truthful, be honest, seek Him with all your heart, put Him first, and then love others in that same respect. And and then on top of that, be responsible in your own household. You know, And that's that's part of what we just learned in the King James Version, where we said it was confusing. We actually looked it up in the Hebrew. So, quit you like men. Means yeah. act like, quit for us means, hey, stop. But back then, it could have meant, uh, it could have meant stop, or it could have meant, Act like this. Present yourself as this. So yeah. whenever your wife is the one leading you, she's saying, hey, let's go to church. Hey, let's go to Bible study. Hey, let's read the Bible. Hey, let's pray at night. God's saying right here, act like a man. 
as a man, he puts you in charge of the spiritual leadership. The spiritual leadership of your household. Yes, that's the word. And you're in charge of that. So you need to act like a man because if your kids are just watching off the wife, then let's say let's say you're together, you have your nuclear family, your mom, your dad, three kids. That's what you got. So now if they're just watching mom and they're watching dad kind of relax, this is going to be 50-50 on where your kids end up. Your kids are either going to be like mom and be seeking after it, or they're going to look for, say you have sons, they're going to look for a woman who seeks after it and not seek it for themselves. Or if they're watching both of y'all, instead of them just watching you and deciding to be lazy about it or just say, oh, yeah, I'll be a Christian, but, I mean, I'll just play the church game or whatever. But if they're watching you seek the Lord and watching your wife seek the Lord, it all, it all comes back to you is what I'm trying to say. They'll want to seek the Lord. Whenever you seek the Lord, I've seen this in my relationship, then your wife will start to seek the Lord. Whenever your wife seeks the Lord, then your kids will start to seek the Lord. That's the way God set up our families the way that they are. That's yeah. The natural family is going to be looking towards – kids look towards their mom. They look up to their mom. They look up to their dad too. But mom's there most of the time. They're going to look up towards the mom. Mom's going to be looking to the husband for help. And that's where we step in. And whenever we're doing our stuff right – it makes it easier on mom, on yeah. your wife, to do her stuff right, in which, t- in turns, you'll raise your kids in the right way. Yeah. And they won't they won't grow apart from that. That's in God's Word, too. Raise your kid in the right way, and they will not part from it. Whenever they're old, yeah. Whenever they're older. Exactly. So if we do this right, this is how we change the Christian religion. I put in air quotes because I'm more focused off of what your dad said. I'm more focused on the relationship right now. I want that relationship with God. And then whenever you have that relationship, the religion will fall into place. Yeah. So whenever we start building this relationship and building it in our families, then it's going to be reaching to other families and reaching to other families. And as that grows, then we're able to come up and we're able to grab other people and bring it in. But if you can't witness to your family, people you talk to all day, if you can't show love to your family, people that love you back unconditionally, how are you going to witness and love some random guy or some random girl or some random kid out on the street? It's, it's a lot harder to do that than it is to show it to someone who's constantly showing it to you. Yeah, and if you do that, if you, if you build up your family in Christ you know, to the best of your ability and, and you're really seeking God in it, then I think one of the benefits you can get out of it is it gives you kind of like a home base that you can come back to and be encouraged to go out and point other people back to Christ. Exactly, it's and like then, your church away yeah, from church. Pretty much. Well, it's. I think it. It's your. I think your family, and it's kind of hard to look at it this way because, you know, you look at your family as well. They're your family, right? You. You don't. Um. It, it, sometimes it's hard to act on this in family because you don't want to kind of break the status quo, but yes. it is your ultimate mission field is to point <coughs> family to Christ and to and to better themselves, better them up. And so I found another verse which kind of goes into this, and and I think some of these are going to make some great episodes for you in the future, but it was Ephesians 5, so I guess I'm going to go ahead and flip on over there um, really quick. Wrong direction, I think. And uh, (laughs) so it's Ephesians 5, 25, and what Paul is talking about is he's kind of talking about marriage at the time, and and he, he goes into a lot of different things. So he goes into love, he goes into marriage, he goes into children, um, and, the, and the whole the whole passage is one giant passage which is structured as love and respect others towards Christ, for Christ, and to Christ, and in the as the end result, um, you're doing it to serve God and for the betterment of them in order that they can reach God as well. So don't love them so you look good. Yeah, pretty much, and so, and so this is also the same passage which you know it talks about wives, you know, to your husband as to the Lord, and then it also talks about you know husbands lo- love your wives. Um, submit to is the word. Yes, yeah, submit very to important. is the word. Submit to your which wife, which is ironic because it's the word submit is not in the Greek; it's only <laughs> in the English translation and in other translations. Don't get me wrong, but in the Greek, it's wives. To your husband as to the Lord, and it's 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 really more of a reverence thing than anything. It's saying, you know, recognize the uh, the, the reason that God, or, or recognize the task that the husband has been placed by the Lord, which mm-hmm. is kind of and and not to say he's this controlling figure. He is at this position where, and and I'm really going to get in this when I read. 25 and, and through which is talking about kind of the 
the purpose of the husband, but kind of the authority that God has given him in saying, hey, it's your responsibility to support your wife and to provide for your wife. And, and especially what I really want to get into is to say, it is your responsibility to make sure that your wife is in the opportunity to pursue God. Mm-hmm. And to be in a position where she can support your children and, and also support you when the time comes. Yes. And 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 that's kind of it's it's I, I think it's the recognition of that. But to the husbands, here it is. So husbands, and this is Ephesians five twenty five. Husbands love your wives, as Christ loved the church and gave Himself up for her, that He might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the Word so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. Blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh." This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects the husband. So you kind of see this, 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 um, you know, element where the wife is supposed to recognize that God has placed this responsibility on the husband, and then you also see that the husband has this responsibility towards his wife. He's supposed to love. He's supposed to. Act like a man, right? Man up, you know, be who God's calling you to be. Make it to where you are able to serve your wife, you know, lay down, whether that's laying down your life or whether it's, you know, just taking, doing the actions um, and taking on actions and different things in your life to make her life a little bit easier, you know, in order that she can pursue Christ. That could be something as simple as, you know, doing the dishes and the clothes so that she has time to sit down and read the Bible or something, you know, uh, or, or at least have the opportunity to do that or that, you know, you take on the kids so that she's not, you know, you know, so stressed or whatever. And th- there's a lot of ways this can apply. I'm not saying the, the be all end all of it, but it is an opportunity as, as the husband to take yourself and surrender to the Lord in order that your wife and your children and those around you have the opportunity, if even through you, or at least because of what you're doing, to further pursue Christ. And that is the whole premise of this entire idea is to make it such that you are not only not an obstacle, but you are a building block in order that your wife and your children and your your family and your friends and those around you that you're influencing can pursue Christ in a more unhindered manner. Yeah. And we actually see that from day one when man was created. In Genesis, it says that the son will leave his mother and father and cleave. We went through that word in one of our studies. Yeah. And I forget the Hebrew word for it. It's, um, I'd have to look it back up. Yeah, it's, it's somewhere in the notes on the computer. But basically what it's saying is to become one with, to conjoin to, to sought after, to to want. This is like the highest want that you have besides like how we cleave to God is how we should try and cleave to our wife. It won't be as powerful because God goes first. But it is, it's crazy when you think about it because we actually found it in the study of Ruth. It's the Bach. The Bach. Yes. And the, what was the definition you had for it? So... The primary, I'll have to go back and find my the definitions that I wrote down for it, but the, like the, pretty much if you look at Strong's Concordance, it says to cling, to cleave, to keep close, um, pretty much it's your be all end all. Exactly. And that's how we should see our wives. We have left our family. We should, we, we have left, if you have left your family, then you should be looking towards your wife. And that, that is your number one, that's your go to, got your back. And it's your job to act like a man not like a male, to act like a mature, godly man. And that's whenever you will see her job slate, her her life become easier, and it'll be easier for her to follow. 
after God, after you. And it'll be easy for your kids to listen to her and to listen to you. And that's what it makes. And with all this, we're not downing the women by no means that are standing up for their family and are saying, hey, you're the husband. Let's go to church. Let's go to church. Because more respect the, to them, honestly. Exactly. Because they're, they're taking, taking up, up extra. what the husband should be doing. Exactly. This I'm, This is not yeah. a down towards men. This is a, this is a downer towards men, not women. Because even I have been guilty of sometimes not wanting to go. My wife's saying, hey, no, let's get up. Let's go. It's, that's not her job. That's my job. And I've seen that my whole life through my dad where he had been the guy that said, hey, let's go to church. We're going Sunday. You go stay the night at someone's house on Saturday. I'm picking you up for Sunday school. This, this is something you do not miss. Now, it's not saying that the church is the most important thing because the relationship is the most important thing. But where you build that relationship is around other godly people. Yeah. And that's where the church significant comes into it. So this is where we need to stand up and give the women a break. The women are con- taking control of everything, not because they just want to be in control of everything, but because they have to because we won't stand up. And that's just, that's not, that's not okay at all. So quit like men and be strong. You need to be strong. When your wife, if you have a wife that says, I don't want to go to church, you need, you need to tell her, I would like for you to go. Don't, don't, don't go forcing her. Don't twist her arm, duct tape her, throw her in the trunk and say, we're going to church. That's not the right way to do it. But how would Jesus be strong in this? That's what we need to look at, and that's what we need to ask. Whenever people didn't want to come to Jesus, you know what he did? He showed them love yeah. and sent them on their way. Now, we're not going to send our wives on away. We're not going to tell her to pack up her stuff and leave. <laughs> pack your bags, get but out. But what we're going to do is <laughs> yeah, we're no, going to go to that. church, and we're going to show her even though it's not important to you, and even though we'll be a partner in this time, this is still this important to me. I love you. I will pray for you while I'm at church. I wish that you would come to church with me. You sit down and you have that talk with her and say, hello, I want to get this back on straight. I want to get this back on topic. I want to take the burden off of you and be the man of the house. That's what's very important about this. We, we need to give these women a break because these godly women have been doing this for 20, 30 years now, since the 90s, since the 80s in some cases, after the whole revolution of Christianity that went through the 50s all the way to the 70s. I mean, it's... It's a really big deal that they've been holding this burden that God put on men for this long. Because we had that giant, that giant revival that went through in the early 1900s up to the mid-1900s, and it was sweeping the nation. But whenever that died off, you could see it died off with men. We are at fault on that because you still see women in those old sitcoms that want to go to church. You still see women, you hear stories of grandma having to take grandpa to church and all this other stuff, and you hear stories of, uh, on my other side, grandpa staying home and getting drunk while grandma was in church. That's not okay. That's not acting like a strong man. That's yeah. acting like a male. And nowadays... Yeah. You Giving can, in to your desires. Yeah, now, nowadays you could be a male and act like a female if you want to, but that's not what God tells us to do. He says stay away from that. Yeah. But he doesn't just say stay away from acting like a female. He says stay away from just being a male. Be a man. Yeah. And what it takes to be a man is to have a strong love and conviction and a want for not only you but the people who you support to succeed and to have that relationship with God so that they can have eternal glory in heaven alongside with you and that they can reach other people alongside with you. Yeah. You know, so I was reading back over um, the First Corinthians sixteen thirteen. and I love how it starts. It starts out with this: "Be watchful." And, and you, I, I'd love to just pick this, you know, apart really deep. And you know, be watchful. It says so. Just reread it. So this is First Corinthians sixteen, um, thirteen. Be watchful. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong. And then fourteen. Let all that you do be done in love. And so we've really looked at the love aspect. But what version are you using? This is English Standard. English Standard. All yeah. Right. And so, be watchful, stand firm in the faith. So, I love that it starts out with that. Because the first thing it says to do is take a look at your surroundings. Look at everything going on in your life. Look at what the distractions are in your life. Look at the things that you're going through. Look at what your wife could be going through. Look at what your children are going through. Look at your workplace. Look and just pay attention to your surroundings and see what's going on. You know, at first it's somewhat self-reflective. It says, be watchful. So you might say, well, make sure that you're not putting yourself into an addiction that can point you away from Christ and, and, and hinder you from, you know, accomplishing what God's calling you to be, to and be a man. That could be as small as what music do I listen to? Yeah, what music do what I listen to? What type of shows to? do I let my kids watch yeah. around me? Mm-hmm. And, it, and it could be 
you know, it could be as simple as that. It could go into, you know, maybe uh, I accidentally let a word or two slip that I shouldn't every now and then. But whenever or, you do or that, get heated up at somebody. Yeah, whenever you do that, look at the people you're around. Exactly. If you're around filth, filth will be spewed from you. Yeah, I freaking love that it's, uh, proverb that exactly. it's talking about, you know. Smart man, wisest man who ever lived, right there. Yeah. And he's telling you, hey, I mean, I've had to do it where I've cut out friends. Yeah. I've cut out friendships, and it's it's hard. I love them, and I want to see them come to Christ, but I can't. I can witness to them, but I cannot befriend them right now because in doing so, I will be losing my own witness towards them because I've already seen my ways when I'm around them. And it's like I could be this good, godly guy going through and everything, and then you get by old Billy Bob who's drinking and cussing and spitting and doing everything he can do that doesn't seem right whenever you're around that too much you'll find yourself messing up i'm not saying that all those things are sin i'm just saying that whenever you find someone that's not after the trueness and the wholeness of god and not seeking that relationship you find yourself lacking to seek that relationship also and that's not saying you know don't associate with people that aren't pursuing god but that that it does say one of two things. It says, or it tells you one of two things. One, what are you doing to point them more towards Christ? And two, are you, if you're not, and if you're not being, if you're losing your witness towards that person, then maybe it's a time to look at and, and just at least, at the very least, reevaluate. You yes. know, look and saying, are these people that I'm associating with pointing me away from God? But at the same time, am I, am I actually pointing them more towards God? Because just because I think as Christians, just because we're Christians and we associate with people that are not does not mean that we're actually pointing them towards God. There is an intention behind it that you really have to, you have to take to say, I'm going to actively, you know, at least with the intention in my mind, point them to Christ. Or exactly. at least try to show them love. And in that love, try to point them to Christ. And to some degree, there has to be, like when you really love somebody and you really, really want them to see what God can do in their lives and not only that, but to also be with Him for an eternity. And you have to, and it says this also in Romans 10. Um, it, it says, you know, belief, belief only comes through hearing the word of the Lord. And so if all, if all we do is just show people love, love is great, and love is necessary. Love is the medium we use to point people to Christ. However, we have to then take use that medium as a platform for our words, and primarily God's words, not ours, yeah. but our mouths mouthing the words of God um, and His Scripture pointing people to God with his words because mm-hmm. his words I love Hebrews 4 12 and 13 it always says you know that the the word of the Lord is alive it's living and active it pierces through the soul and the spirit you know it's a sword it, it, it's a weapon it is it is a weapon it is like you want to be a warrior that's how you be a warrior you want to be a warrior of God you, what I told you, you what I heard um I want to say I'm not going to give credit to anyone but I was listening to Unashamed Nation I'll shoot, I'll throw I'll throw them something but I was listening to them cuz they're very wise godly men and they brought up being a soldier for Christ and now I've had military in the family I was in the military we you know that if you're a soldier and you go out into a battlefield which we are in a spiritual battle 24/7 that is, that is truth. There are good spirits and there are bad spirits that are out there trying to get a hold of us, trying to lead us. The Holy Spirit's trying to lead us to God, and demonic spirits and Satan are trying to lead us away. If you walk out into a battlefield and just leave your gun at home, leave your weapon, what are you? Stupid. A dead soldier. <laughs> That's it. You're dead. You're not, you're not doing anything for anybody. Now, if you come into that battlefield with a weapon... You can not only watch the battle, but you can partake and fight for the battle. It gives you an opportunity to be part of the battle. Exactly. Yeah. And but if you don't, then you're not even equipping yourselves to even play a part in it. Exactly. Regardless of what the what the war is gonna uh, what's gonna occur in your war, you're not giving yourself a fighting chance. Say, uh, one of the old generals from the 1900s. If you're not advancing, you're retreating. Yeah. And that's it. You're stagnant. Guess what? 
Revelation 3.16, Therefore you're no, longer, you're no longer hot nor cold. You're lukewarm. I vomit you out of my mouth. You either need to get hot for God or... Not for God. <laughs> yeah, get hot for God. That's it. Yeah, you're either hot for God or you're not for God. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I didn't get what you're doing right there. I like that. Yeah. You're either hot for God or you're not for God. And guess what? If you're on that fence, guess what category you fall into? If you're just riding that fence sitting in the middle, you're not for God. That's how that is. I'm not saying you're not saved. not saying you don't have uh holy spirit trying to help you or anything but you're not benefiting the kingdom when you're just sitting that fence when you go show up to church whenever you go around these friends and and that's what i had to do with my friends how you're saying you have to Mm reevaluate when i got to the point that i couldn't share the faith i could not physically share the faith if i brought it up they would laugh at me because they knew what i did they didn't know how i was you lose your you lose your witness you lose your witness when you can't do that that's when it's time to step back and gain your strength so you can come back and show them and prove to them and then witness again to them. That's the stage I'm at right now is mm -hmm. rebuilding that faith and rebuilding my trust. So now when I see them, I'd say, hey, God is good. And they look at me like I'm crazy. Yeah. Well, that's I think that's why he starts out in 1 Corinthians by saying, be watchful and stand firm in the faith. Because if if people are going and seeing your lives and being like, well, he's just doing the same thing I'm doing and... You know, whether it's cussing up a storm or doesn't care what you watch or or don't treat your wife right and you know just doing doing whatever really you know you, you lose your witness with people so that I think that's why like if you want to stand in love and to be a man and to point people to Christ then you have to first be watchful and stand from the faith you need to ground yourselves in God And a great way of doing that is to put on the whole armor of God, which is in Ephesians 6. And it says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you might, you may, it doesn't say you will, it says you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers. I love, I love like the Lord's um, wording in here. Oh, you know, how, how he's using Paul to be like this uh, show and kind of like a, a comic way. I say comic, I mean like an illustrative manner of kind of what this looks like, right? And so the cosmic powers over the present darkness against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God. And and, and, and before we even get into what the armor of God is and, and how do you, you know, stand firm in the faith and, and to stand firm in the faith and be watchful you you have to put on this armor right yes to, to be a man you have to start by um soldiering up put on your armor and then take that to battle but it says um be strong in the lord and strength and in the strength of his might so putting on the armor of god is equivalent to you know finding yourself in the lord and being strengthened by him yes and and on top of that we it's not that we to be a man you can't just willpower through it. In order to to effectively be a man that's strong and to, and to show love, you have to be you have to have the Lord showing you, giving you this strength and this love and this peace, and then you can give it out to others. Exactly. And and you're kind of emulating this, and then it says put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. And so you see that. With the temptations that we go through, our own temptations in the life, or the temptations of demons, or just everything, whether it's you know have, struggling with pointing people to Christ, everything that we go through, you know, we put on the whole armor of God. But it's not the armor of God is 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 a tool that we use, right? It yeah. is it is it is an opportunity to prepare yourself that the Lord has given you. But just because you're fully prepared does not mean that the battle's not going to go exact, or the battle's not going to like hit you with a, um, you know, an unexpected hit. Right. Yeah. And so well, if you forget your helmet, yeah, you're open you, for a headshot. If you forget a, your breastplate, exactly. you're open, you're open to the heart. Yeah. If you forget your sword, you're only on the defense. You can't attack. Yeah. If you forget your shield, all you can do is attack and you can't really defend. I mean, there's certain yeah. things that you can't just say, "All right, I'm gonna take my helmet today. I'm gonna take my sword today." Yeah, yeah. You don't. You don't I, go out to war. A lot war. of people do that. Exactly. You, you take your helmet. You say, "Oh, well, and and every Christian's wearing their helmet." That's it's the, and we're gonna get into that. It's the helmet of salvation. So, therefore, so therefore, take up the whole armor of God. And this is um, Ephesians six six thirteen. Take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, 
and having done all to stand firm. Hey, look, there we are. We've seen that stand firm again. Stand therefore having um, fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplications. To the end, to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints, and also for me, that the words given to me in an opening any mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. And so you, you can see Paul talking to the church of Ephesus here, that you know he starts out with with all this armor so he's saying stand firm take this armor that that you'll have the opportunity to present yourself as a true soldier and so you, you have I'll start with the helmet of salvation although it's not the first in the list right and and it's the first one you basically It's the get. first one you you receive because it's the helmet of salvation it is your salvation now you might have the sword of the spirit first yeah. but the sword of the spirit is probably being used by somebody else towards you not in your own hand. Yeah. And so you, you have the helmet of salvation in every Christian, regardless of whatever else armor you or, or um, you do or don't bring, every Christian that's saved has the helmet of salvation. It is, it is the ultimate protection of your salvation that God guarantees. It is it, it's around your head, and the symbolism as the helmet, it, it's just as CJ was saying, right? It It is the most vital organ you have is your head. Without that, you can't do anything. Even if you lose most of your limbs, uh, or or whatever else, you can think, you can act. If you don't, if you lose your head, you can't think, you can't act. You won't even be alive for much longer if you still are. Yeah, and what's really what we see in men today is a whole bunch of men in the middle of the trenches in no man's zone. Yeah, that want to be godly, but they want to ride that fence. They're on the fence. So you got trench not doing anything. Trench, evil, evil trench on the left side over here. They're shooting at good trench, which is returning fire. So let's put this in military standards. So you got your good trench, you got your bad trench. They're firing on each other. Then you have a bunch of idiots, sorry for my language, but you have a bunch of idiots that are dancing in the middle of that trench <laughs> on the fence saying, but I got my helmet, but I got my helmet. You're going to get hit, and it's going to hurt. So you might you might make it through that yeah. because you have that salvation, so you, you will make it through it. But when you get up there, God's going to say, why weren't you in my trench? You yeah. wouldn't have gotten shot if you were in my trench. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, then you also have the problem whether you have people with just the helmet who are just crouched down in the middle of the trench, hiding, hiding behind the word, hiding behind the church, hiding behind. Yeah, they have their, their breastplate. Actions. All they have is their helmet on, and and they're not fighting. And what they're doing is they're hiding and they're saying, "Oh, well, God, um, I've, I, I'm saved. I'm good. I don't need to fight." the advancing army well the thing is if all you if every man hid um with just their helmet on or um in the trench what's going to happen the enemy force is just going to uh, approach them and to take and destroy them because nobody's fighting back exactly and we see that with noah yeah with noah there was one man there was one man who had his armory Mm-hmm. I mean, this is later we describe the armor, but back then we could say he had the armor. He had the faith in God. He was worked one man on the earth. So what happened? Evil set in. And it wasn't evil, evil. It was something we perceive as evil, but God did it, so it's just. And that was the flood. It wiped out everything. And all eyes were like, why wipe out all the people? You're God. You're just. Well, guess what? God is just. So what no. he did was just. What he did was a just thing. Exactly. And, but and that's what that, happened. But like when you look at saying... And we say that God is just and he has the right to wipe out all people but, you know, one family. You have to look at it. These people, it's not that these people were not probably given the opportunity to turn back towards God and not that they didn't know about God. Exactly. Uh, especially when you look at it and you say these people, you know, when, when you look at sin, God has the, since God created us and God sets the standard for good and evil, he also sets the consequences of good and evil. So you might say, for good things there are good consequences, for bad things there's bad consequences. And God is the one that sets those standards, and we have to abide by them. And and you can choose your actions, and this is true then, it was true now. You can do whatever the heck you want, but the, the, the fact remains, 
there is a judge that we have to stand up to in the end yeah. who determines what the consequences of our actions are. And, and new, Good or bad. In new man's terms, the best way you could dumb all that down is something my dad told me when I was growing up. If you play stupid games, you're going to win stupid prizes. That's exactly <laughs> yep. it. I've been told that my yep. whole life. And guess what? It's the same thing when you get to your relationship with God. If you're playing the dumb games of, I don't believe in that. I'm, I'm, I'm against that. I'm against that. I'm against that. Guess what? Your stupid prize is hell. And it is real. And it is scary to think about. Yeah. It's not it's, scary it's, for me because I'm terrifying. not going. It should be terrifying. Then I'm not going there you either, have but... people who are sitting <laughs> on the fence. Yeah. Now, when they get to heaven, you will be given according to your works. Yeah. They're going to get to heaven and see someone's house and be like, wow, look at that mansion. And then hop off in a shack. I'm not saying that there's shacks in heaven, but you know, yeah. the reward there, won't there, be as great. There is a, there is a kind of a rewarding. And, and we're not talking like you have this tiered reward system. But, no, it's... But it, uh, as far as I've best understood it, and, and I, this is just my own analysis from what I've seen, and I could be wrong because I'm not in heaven yet. Uh, or it could be misunderstanding it, but you kind of see the crowns that we receive for the works that we've done. Yes. Or, or you might say at least the types of works that you mean, you 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 primarily do, and we lay those crowns at Jesus' feet. So it's not these rewards that we're building up for ourselves. For our own it's rewardings that we it's can go and give to God. Rewardings that God has said, "You have served me in this capacity. I'm giving you this," and we give it back to God in order to glorify Him all the more. Exactly, and, and that's so what's the more really you serve important. Christ on earth, the more. You, you can glorify God. And there there we get back to the very the very beginning or the very end. Uh, verse 14, let everything you do be done in love. Yeah. Whenever we do stuff in love, we obtain these crowns. And then when we get to heaven, God shows us love and says, here's your crowns. Here's what you've done for me. But guess what? Whenever we get to heaven, we're going to be perfect. Yeah. That's we give it right to back to God. Yeah. But so when we're perfect, yeah. we're going to give out a love and we're going to say, I know you're giving this to me, God, but... I did nothing because I don't do anything. I, yeah. I, it's all in Christ. It's I have zero power. I, I've had Colin walk me through how to set up my computer at least four times today. <laughs> I can't do anything, but you know who can do something? God, take these crowns back. You did all the work. We know that we are we are essentially the tools of God when you become a Christian. Yeah. And you can choose to be what type of tool you want to be. If you want to be a left-handed crescent wrench and not exist, guess what? You're just gonna sit. You're gonna sit in the trench and hide. Or you're gonna be dancing around saying, yeah. "Well, I got a helmet. Well, I got a helmet." Or you could go be a power tool. You could go be a loudspeaker. You could go be. <laughs> you could go these. be a foundation. You could. You could choose what type of tool you want to be and what God leads you to be. See, I felt led to this. I always thought I love hanging out with kids. I'm just a giant kid, as you'll see as this goes on, and probably people tell you stories about me, but. I always felt a pulling towards kids and helping kids understand. I wanted to be a teacher and all this other stuff. But then I just got this giant pull that, hey, if you want to help kids, help the dads. You want to help kids, help the moms. Whenever you do that, you help the families. Yeah. When you help the families, it helps the kids. And when those kids are raised and they're raised that way, you're not only helping those kids, you're helping those kids set an example for their kids who will set an example for their kids. And it's something yeah, that's, that's so true. bigger. And it all starts with the man. I'm not saying we're most important, but we can't have all this. Just like if a man does everything he can and the woman doesn't take up her part, guess what? The same thing will happen that's happening right now where we'll have families falling off. Yeah. But and on both spectrums, both parents are, are equally important. important. They're equally important. You need a mom. You need both. You need a dad. They may have God may have assigned slightly different roles, at least in some capacity. Some are the same, some are different. Mm -hmm. But they're equally important because um, the man cannot effectively fulfill all the roles of a wife, and a woman cannot all, uh, completely effectively fulfill all the roles of a husband. Exactly. Because they weren't designed to. Yep. And, 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 and that's just it. Not saying that they can't make do when the circumstances come to it. And as we were saying before, you know, props to those who have to make do and do. Yeah. And, and um, honestly, you, you have my um, honestly just respect for that. Exactly. Um, but, you know, God designed us in a certain way that, you know, we are different so that we can build each other up and that we can support each other in different ways. So now that we got that, I actually want to read it in the Amplified because I think the Amplified is the most powerful way to read these two verses together. Now, a lot of people don't know about the Amplified Bible, but Amplified Bible actually does a lot of study. 
and they like they give you the details on what they think out of their study and usually it goes hand in hand and it's exactly what I'm feeling and I I usually love it. So if you can find one, they're awesome for studying and they're awesome for getting historical facts and stuff about that. So uh, we're back in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 13 and 14, this time through my Amplified Bible. Be on guard, stand firm in your faith in God, respect His precepts and keeping your doctrine sound. Act like mature men and be courageous, be strong. Let everything you do be done in love, motivated and inspired by God's love for us. Now that's powerful. That that breaks it down and that puts it exactly how I want to explain it. I mean, I could have just read the amplified verses and called it good on this podcast. Because I mean yeah. that's 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 cut and dry. That's that's what it is. Be on guard and stand firm in your faith. Not just stand firm in your faith though. It's your in your faith in God, respecting his precepts, respecting his rules, respecting what he wants you to do. He, he he can't say go to Nineveh and you say all right I'm not gonna go to Nineveh until I get swallowed by a well. Yeah, just let you know. Exactly. You, you got to do what he says the first time, like Saul. You know how he faded away. That's exactly it. And keeping your doctrine sound. So you need to keep your morals. You need to keep what you believe. You need to keep yourself sound and steadfast and straight fixed on Him. Act like mature men. I like that mature. Say, you need to be in this word. I know maturing for a lot of people means growing. And, Grow up. Yeah, yeah. Be, be a grown-up. Look be at an charts, adult. Yeah, be an adult. Look at charts and graphs. Don't have any fun. That's not mature in the Bible, though. Uh, I forget the verse, Colin, so if you could have it, help me out here. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll pull it up for you in a second. So it says, when I was a kid, I drank. This is talking spiritually. I drank of milk. As I got older... I could eat solid food. So right now, being young in Christ, if you're young in Christ, you're not going to get to really chew in on the Bible. You're going to have to just drink it up a little bit. Drink it up. Get your knowledge. Drink it up. That's I'm still drinking it up. I'm starting to chew a little bit, but my food's really soft. Someone's already pre-chewed it for me, usually. But um, what you need to do is you need to be mature in this word. Be mature in your faith. Be mature towards God. You need to be putting time in for this so you can get to that mature point. And you need to be a mature man. Not mature male, mature man. That's what it says. Be mature men. And be courageous. He's not leaving that out. We have to be courageous. We have to be strong. We have to be strong in our faith and courageous enough to share that faith. That's what's really important about this. This is this is why this is my first verse I went to on the podcast. These two verses is this is cut and dry what God's telling his men to do, to lead, yeah. to be strong, to be courageous, to hold his morals, to hold the values, to hold down the fort, circle the wagon, us against them. We will conquer evil in the end. If you haven't read it, I'm sorry, but Jesus wins. All right, that's just a little bit of foreshadowing. Yeah, spoiler alert, foreshadowing. Jesus wins. So then he says, let everything you do be done in love. Now, we can do stuff in love every day. We, I, could, I love Colin. I could love Colin every single day. This is my brother in Christ right here. But can I love God motivated by God's love for Or can I love Colin with the same motivation of God's love for me? I Sorry, Colin, I can't love you as much as God loves me. That's impossible, I, but I, I, I need... Short on that too, exactly, man. I need to try that. I don't just need to love somebody. I don't just need to love my wife. Yeah, I love my wife. I won't go sleep with anyone else. I won't see anyone else. I'll never think about it. I won't cheat on her. I won't leave her. I won't let her... I, I hate when she cries. But that's not enough. I need to love her like God loves her. And the only way to do that is to take the love that God is giving you and then... Reflect it. Reflect it back on. Yeah. yeah. Like a mirror. Like a mirror. I like yeah, it. You have to absorb it and then reflect it. Yeah. So and what are you getting out of these two verses, Colin? So I, I think I, I keep going back. You were talking about like maturity, right? And um, especially like whenever you go to those, you know, it's talking about you have to be pretty much a mature individual towards God. And so I went back and I found um, the first Corinthians, the one we're talking about was it was comparing milk and food. I'm going to go ahead and read that. All right. And and I, I kind of thought of another. I thought of it in another way. I never <laughs> thought about it before. So this is First Corinthians three. I'm not going to read the whole thing. Just the section talking about um, kind of milk and food. So, but I brothers could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And even now you are not ready, 
for you are still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are, uh, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? And when one says, I follow Paul, another says, I follow Paulus, are you being merely human? And then it, it pretty much goes on to say that we are God's tools, that we are God's, um, we build on God's foundation, right? And we build each other up. Um, and our salvation and our rewards are found in God's salvations, not through other people. Exactly. And, and kind of what you were, uh, you know, Paul Paul's preaching to them, right? So Paul's talking to the church of Corinth and saying, hey, this is what you need to do. But his words, they're, they're not just following Paul. They're looking at how they can serve God more effectively. Exactly. And they're, they're taking words from God through, and Paul's just the medium for that. And so it says in verse 2, I fed you with milk and not salt food. And you, you gave me something I never really thought about. It is like, you know, you, you said um, something along the lines of, I've only ever really ate what, you know, people have already chewed up. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's so accurate. That's it is. so common what we do in the churches, you know. And I'm definitely not dogging any, um, by, by any means, where you take a Bible study that somebody's like wrote or already written through. And you, and and you go primarily through go through that. I'm definitely not. I've done that. We, we do it um, in classes, and it's honestly super useful. But uh, there needs to be a time where, you know, you take that, you take what you've learned at those times, and then you use everything you've learned and, and seeking God in digging into His Word raw and, like, natural and, and chewing through it and, and processing it and trying to comprehend and, and wrestling with, with the thoughts and... And, and saying, what are you saying, God? How do I apply it to my life? What does this mean? And See, and, I wasn't and, even and, thinking and, of it that prayer, way. And you take and you pray and say, Spirit, reveal to me, what are you trying to show me? What is these, What do these verses mean? And how do I apply them to my life? And, and rather than relying on somebody else to do it for me, I want to get in and, and do it myself and, and see what, um, and have just rely wholly on the Spirit in that, in that moment. See, I was even thinking different that this a lot of my other podcasts will be structured, but when me and Colin get into the Word, we we go everywhere, yeah. and we just go where we we let God lead this. All right. So if you can't keep up, I'm sorry. Other ones will be more structured, but that's a great idea on it because that's not what I was thinking. What I was thinking was we're trying to get solid food, right? Yeah. We're trying to get to that point, but me and you are young men. Yeah. We're we're the same age. We're young guys. We're in our twenties. But we have two dads, your dad, my dad, that we both know and we both trust. And when we don't know something about Scripture, if we go to them, they can they, they chew have, it up and help, and help feed us, us. figure it out. They yeah. help us feed That's what exactly. I was looking at. Yeah. Right? Well, it's, 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 it's much more the same. Yeah. And there comes a point, the more spiritually mature you are, the more that God will reveal and, and, and help you to understand this. And not just the more he'll reveal to it, the more knowledge you'll have, but the more he'll show you how to approach it in order to understand it yourself. Not saying that you don't go up to other people as, you know, uh, but going to other people does not have to be your first thing. Just saying, oh, I read this and I don't really understand it. You know, you can sit there, you can read through it, you can process it, and then you can meet with other people to say, hey, this is what God, I think God is saying in this. Yeah. And that goes back to Help the standing. Help me go through it a little bit. That goes back to the standing in your faith. Yeah. So when you stand in your faith, you surround yourself with wise counsel. Exactly. That's another thing we'll hit later. That is very important is surrounding yourself with wise counsel. Mm-hmm. Because wise godly counsel, exactly. too. Because there's a difference between wise worldly wisdom and wise, wise godly, godly wisdom. wisdom. I, I completely agree with that. And that's why we're able to go and have someone chew up the food for us sometimes whenever we can't figure out. If you're in this alone and you have no one... That can help you, and there's churches everywhere, so there's no excuses on I can't find anyone for it unless you're locked in Red China or Red Russia or something like that where you literally have no one, which they still have people. There's thousands there. But or in America, you can go to a church. There's a church in every city. I guarantee it there's a church in every city. But um, you can find someone there, usually, who knows what they're talking about. So you need to surround yourself with people like that, with wise counsel, that can help you chew this food. And guess what? If you're on liquids and you need to be fed milk and honey, you need someone to pour it because I doubt you can even hold the cup yourself. I couldn't hold the cup myself when I was a baby. I mean, I don't know if you came out of the womb, Colin, and you were just holding a bottle just by yourself jacked, on day one. Just yeah, completely just ripped. Jacked, no, head control. Yeah, no, neither of my quite. kids could I was either. a very chubby baby. I had, I had to hold the bottle for my kids for at least six or seven months. And when you talk about time spans on earth and then spiritual time spans, it's different. It's different for everybody. Some people walk 
yeah. a lot earlier than other people. You, some people hold their bottle a lot earlier than other people. If you're if you've been in this a long time and you're still on liquids and milk and honey, get you a wise counsel to surround yourself with and work at it. It takes some people longer. It's nothing to be ashamed of because God sees the heart. He sees what you're trying to do. He sees that. And that's what he likes. That's when he's saying, All right, come to my side for you have not betrayed me. He's not gonna tell you, I don't know you. Get out of here. Yeah. You're going downstairs. He's gonna say, Come to me, my good and faithful servant. Yeah. Because he, he sees what you're trying to do. It, he sees that and he knows your intention. He goes beyond the action. He sees the intention. And and either way, regardless of your action, he loves you. And so I found another one which kind of talks about, you know, when you really get into, you know, sub, like when you're trying to be a man. And one of that is to realize, one of the parts of being a man is to realize. One that you're not perfect, and two that you you are not the be all end all, one of your family or, or whatever. But you have to have a pillar of support yes. around you, because it's it's kind of like a, um, you're trying to hold up like a ceiling or something or like a foundation. Well, if you only have one, um, if you only have like one concrete block trying to hold up that whole foundation then you break that concrete block, the whole thing falls. But if you get two or three or four, the more you get, the more that foundation, if one falls, the others can support it, well, the, the, uh, that one gets back up. And yeah, I get it, you know, concrete doesn't move. But um, that, that's not the premise here. The premise is if, if um, you know, it is an accurate analogy in that you will not be crushed whenever you break. Yes, because there are times in, in everybody's life when they'll hit their tipping point and they and they need to rely on people. So I found this version, this verse in Ecclesiastes. It's it's four twelve, and uh, another uh, an interesting thing. If you've ever read Ecclesiastes, or if you haven't, the um, pretty much the summation of Ecclesiastes is everything is meaningless except for God. Like it is just kind of this drawn out monologue of how if it doesn't point to God or um, pretty much it, it doesn't mean anything. And, and, and that, it, it is a very like poetic, it's a very poetic book that it, it describes it in extremely, extremely, um, you know, uh, picture a portraic um, analogies and stuff. But uh, kind of in this, you, you see all these bad things going on and in this, in Ecclesiastes 4.12, you see an encouragement. And so it says, um, and this is Ecclesiastes 4.12, And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, and that's saying the one that is being prevailed against is the one that is losing, it's you. It says, And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. And, and what that means is when you have people to support you, good, wise, godly counsel, people that, that care about you and that they look out for your well-being and, and your spiritual well-being, then you will look at these things and you'll be able to you'll be able to be supported whenever you cannot handle them on your own. And, and this is true whether you're just trying to figure out something and you need advice or if you're going through like hard, critical moments in life where it feels like the world is crashing down, say a parent or a child or a sibling is lost to you. Um, that could be physically, you know, that maybe they passed away or, or spiritually or, or, or some other critical thing is happening or, um, or, or some other big thing is happening in your life. Your say foundation you lose, is shifting. Your foundation is, you is shifting and you're feeling like, you know, it, you could be crushed by it. It's like, it's at that time when you have people that can speak wisdom into your life and, and can be there to support you, whether that's financially or spiritually or mentally or physically, emotionally. You know, it is at those points you can say, this is what we need to, one, first, the, um, we have to man up so that we can be the support in that, but we need to man up and see that since we're not perfect, there's going to be times when we need to look at it and say, yes, I need help. I, I completely agree. And I, I'm going to get back to the armor of God on yeah. that. 
So you kept on using these building analogies, and I just got to thinking. You said earlier, think of the armor of God as tools. Yeah. So if you don't, if you're not a warrior, if you're not, if you're not going into first century battle like they used to, think of it as tools. So we're thinking of our tools and everything. Now, if you go and build a house, we're gonna say Jesus is bedrock, yeah, and not Jesus is sand, right? Yeah. So let's say you go and you take all of these tools. You can take all these tools and not be using Jesus. We've seen it in, in the Old Testament and in, in the New Testament. People would actually be doing stuff for God, but until they're doing it for themselves. They're yeah. not doing it for God. Say so you do that. Yeah. So you're taking all these tools and building this house on the sand. Simon the Sorcerer is a good example of that. Exactly. Yeah. So you're trying to build this house on the sand, and you're using the tools of God. You're doing it right. You, you, you got your helmet. You got your sword. You got all this, but you're doing it for your own glory. When that sand shifts, it doesn't matter what tools you use to build that house, it's going to come down. Yeah. Now you may have the best power tools on the planet, but yeah, if you're building on sand and it sinks. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. That's all she wrote. Now let's, yeah. now let's flip-flop that. If you love Jesus and you're all about Jesus and you get on that bedrock and you just got a pile of wood sitting in front of you, that's the word, that's your salvation, that's, that's all the other things that you need that are in that tool set that God gave us in the armor of God, and you're just sitting there looking at it saying, well, I got Jesus. You're not going to get a house built until you pick up your tools. So you need your tools and you need Jesus. Yeah, you need to build on you the need foundation. Both. But in order to properly build, you need the tools that God gives you. Exactly. And that's being a man is learning how to use those tools, learning yeah. how to build that house, learning where to put your foundation. That's, that's a main goal in all this is seeing how we can better ourselves. And guess what? If you build tools for yourself or a house for yourself on sand, it won't make it. If you stare at your supplies and just say, come on, God, where's my house? You know, you got to get into it yourself. This isn't just a Jesus comes down and, yeah. excuse me, this isn't just a Jesus comes down and saves you. That's what happens. That's what it takes to get into heaven. But if you want to make something out of this, you got to put in the work. And God has shown us that too because we, we get to people in the Old Testament like Saul. Saul was, I mean, he gave up everything. We were talking about this before. He gave up everything. He was a farmer with nothing. He gave up his tools and everything in order to give to the kingdom of God. Then he starts doing his own selfish things. And when he starts doing his own selfish things, we see that God says, I've already, or Samuel tells him through God, I've replaced you with a king after God's own heart. So God's going to make what he wants to happen, happen. And that's what's important. So getting into this, we're about to have to wrap up. I think Colin's got a few more things he wants to share. If you want a list of verses, I'm going to have Colin live, read off a list of verses that shows you how you can do this. Because God is courageous, God is behind you, and God loves you. And that's what's going to give you the strength to be on your guard, to stand in the faith, to keep sound doctrine of yourself, to act like mature men, and to do everything in love, but not only just in love, but to do everything in the love that God shows you. Because as soon as you get your mirror out and you start reflecting that love, you see that God's on your side, and you see how many people are going to come to Him, not because of you, but because you're willing to hold the mirror. And God loves people who want to hold the mirror for Him. Yeah. So that list of verses he's talking about, the gist of these verses, they're very, very similar to what we see um, in that 1 Corinthians um, 16. They're all saying, hey, be strong, be courageous. God's on your side. God's on your side, or at least be on God's side. Be with God. Know that when you're seeking God, God is with you. Um, and to be courageous and find your, at, at the very core of it, find your strength in the Lord. And if you find your strength in the Lord, then that you're going to be where the Lord is. Yeah. And so these verses, um, they include these. I'll, I'll go ahead and list them. So Deuteronomy 31, 6 through 7, Joshua 1, 6 through 7, Joshua 10, 25, 1 Chronicles 28, 20, and Psalm 27, 14. Now, if you're on the milk and honey stage and you're looking for some food that's pre-chewed, Get into this, start looking at these verses, and then go find your counsel. We told you what we think about it, but like I said, we're, we're two men, so make sure you do your own work too. We're not perfect. Yeah. No one is except for Jesus. Now, when I die, I will be perfect, 
I'll be perfected. I can't wait. I can't <laughs> wait either, man. It's going to be so cool. But find your counsel, do your prayer, do your studying. That's pre-chewed, someone can help you with, and this is very, very, I would like to say very simple stuff, but it's so simple it's impossible to do. That's just because the nature of humans to sin. But this is something to reflect on, and this is how you start your journey to carrying your cross. And that's what this is about. This is about men picking up their crosses and picking up their family's crosses and picking up picking up the neighbor's crosses. And you can't you can't do anything for them with that cross. Just like uh, I forget who helped Jesus carry his cross. It was uh, it was uh, Joseph of Arimathea. All right, so he picked up Jesus' cross, right? Helped him carry it the rest of the way. Yeah. Could he have saved anyone with it? No. Could he have done anything with it? It was a death machine. Exactly. He couldn't have done anything with that. He couldn't have gotten on that cross and saved the saved the universe, right? Yeah. We can't save our family. We can't save ourselves. We can't save the neighbor down the street or the neighbor we see for the first time, but we can help them with their cross. We could help them see what Jesus is doing for them and that God loves them. And that's what men in our world today need to stand up and do. Yep. And I guess at that note, I guess we can go ahead and wrap up. All right. So I guess I can, uh, would you like to pray us out? Yeah, I'll, 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 I'll do a little prayer out. Um, so, Please bow with me. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the nourishment it brings us. We thank you for all the men that will listen. We pray this doesn't fall upon deaf ears, but this ignites a reunion and this reignites men with you so that we can build up our families. We can build up our states, our towns, our churches, our countries. We can build up this world so that we get a more Christian base and a more loving world where we forgive each other and we show glory to you. I thank you so much for the fellowship I have with my friend sitting across the table. I pray nothing but good health and good things come to him, for he's just a humble servant of you. I pray that you watch over everyone who's listening to this and that you let everyone have a safe drive or day or whatever they're doing right now. You just be with them, you touch them, and you you help them through whatever they need help through. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So I just want to say thank you, Colin, for being on the first show. Thank you for having me. Oh, man, it's it's awesome. I'll have Colin back, definitely, just so y'all know. It's it's exciting getting into the Bible with Colin. But that's what's going to wrap it up for today's show. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope that you have a blessed day. Thanks for listening to How a Man Should Carry His Cross. If you have any questions or want to reach out, feel free to email me at amanscross at gmail.com. That's A-M-A-N-S-C-R-O-S-S at gmail.com. Or reach out on our Facebook page, How a Man Should Carry His Cross. Thank you again for listening. Have a blessed day.